Welcome to Catholic Money Talk, where we talk about all things money and finance, and we try to do it through a lens of being Catholic, where our ultimate goal is to one day be in heaven with the Lord. I am your host, Paul Scarfone. Thank you for being here today. So today we're going to talk about the fourth element of our financial plan. But before we do that, let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We ask you for all the grace and wisdom that we need to face the challenges or circumstances that we find ourselves in. We know that you love us and you have a great plan for us. Allow us to yield to your Holy Spirit. We ask all this through Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So here we are, element four of the financial plan. Execute the plan. We've gone over the first three elements in some detail. They were, the first one was assessing our current financial situation. Then we set goals. And then last time we were writing out a plan. This is the fourth element, executing the plan. Now, most people think that now that they have a plan, they're almost done. Wrong. Writing out the plan is only the math part. It's just the head knowledge part. Personal finance is 20% head knowledge. That's the math. And the other 80%, it's our behavior. It's executing the plan. It's actually doing the work. And we'll talk about all of that in this episode as we discuss how to execute the plan. This is where the rubber hits the road. This is where we kind of put meat on the bones, right? You dreamt big. You created an awesome plan. But if we fail to implement it, then it was all just a waste of time. I want to start with setting just some fair expectations, right? Learning and implementing the new behaviors that it's going to take for us to execute our plan it's not going to bring success overnight. You're going to have a lot of challenges in starting out. That is where most people give up. They want this to be quick and easy. Well, there's not many things of value that are quick and easy. Slow and steady wins the race every time. You have to give yourself some grace. And if you're married, give your spouse some grace and work and learn together. It takes about three months of actually working the plan to really feel like you've built some good momentum and the appropriate money habits to be able to execute your plan well. Now, the biggest challenge that people have in executing the plan, and this is what I see, that is accountability. Most people, right, they can create their plan, but now they have to implement it. And most people are so easily ready to give up because they don't have someone pushing them, right? As a married couple, the spouses, like you guys, you have each other. Me and Taryn, we have each other. We will call each other out when we need to, right? We, we create the plan together. We've got this built-in accountability. There's someone watching what we do. But accountability only works if you're actually doing this together, if you're both involved in the process and working as a team. Even if the money stuff isn't your thing, this is your marriage. This is your life. And God calls you to be good stewards together. 
Marriage is a oneness. It's total unity. It's not a business partnership. You work together and you both care about this. And I'll talk about this a little bit later of how to work together and who does what and when. If you're single, this is going to be the biggest challenge. How will you create the level of accountability you need to push through? Finding a friend who will check in with you or having a mentor that walks alongside you, encourages you, can be a great help. The key is having someone who will call you out when you aren't doing what you said you would. And that requires having a trusting relationship with someone who cares about you, not someone who just wants to make you happy. And, and this goes for single people or a married person, you know, a married couple. You need to give permission to someone to allow that person to call you out, to get in your face and say, you aren't doing what you, what we decided to do. Sometimes to get started with using accountability, you need someone to help. And that could be, it could be a financial coach like me, maybe a life coach. If you're married, it could be a marriage coach. Maybe it's another couple that has years of successful communicating and working together as a married couple, right? The key is accountability. Then the next item we need to determine is who will do what and when. Right? Last time we discussed the importance of using a calendar to you know, really schedule the meetings and tasks we need to complete for our plan. If you're married, a big step in executing the plan is determining who will do what. Right? If you're single, you got to do everything. Right? But in a marriage, one person could feel and be designated more like the money person and get stuck with doing it, but you got to work it together. You have to work on this together. So I love a good spreadsheet. I like numbers. I'm pretty good with numbers. I don't mind creating and updating a spreadsheet. And in Taryn and my relationship, in our marriage, that's my job. I don't make decisions without her. But there are certain things that can happen each month that we've already made decisions on a long time ago. Like tithing and the mortgage payment and paying the utility bills. Right? I'm able to plug these in to the budget each month without her. We've already kind of signed up for them together. We've made these decisions that we've acquired these payments, right? These financial things that we have to do every month. Like we've already decided this is what we're doing so I can plug those in. And I fill out as much of the budget as possible. And then I ask her to help me complete it. Many times she remembers a one-off item that's happening that I had forgotten about. And we have to move some numbers around to make it all work. We do this together. In fact, anytime we need to make a change to the budget, even if it's mid-month, we do it together. Once a week, I update the budget with the past week's expenses. I do that on my own. Then we discuss where that puts us. Like, where are we month to date? We have that discussion together and we identify any challenges that we might have in a particular area and we work on them together. Sometimes, occasionally, we come in under budget in a certain area, certain expense category, and we actually get to assign those unspent dollars somewhere else in the budget. We also do that together. The key here for these weekly meetings is to see where we are month to date. We don't want to wait until the end of the month to see how we did. It's too reactive. We want to be proactive. We want to be intentional. We want to see how we are doing as we are going so we can stick to the plan. Sometimes that means we can do cool things that we've budgeted. 
sometimes that means we need to say no to ourselves because we've run out of money in a certain category. And this is the hardest part of implementing the plan. When we have to tell ourselves no. Having a budget that reflects our goals and sticking to it, you can't just say yes to everything that comes along. When you set the budget, you already decided what you were saying yes to. And that means you've also decided what you're saying no to, right? So if something else comes up, you have to say no to it. Or you can talk to each other and make a change to the budget. You're totally allowed to change the budget, but you have to do it together and you have to talk about it. It has to be intentional. When you first start budgeting, it might seem pretty tight because you tell yourself no. You might be telling yourself no to buying lunch at work or coffee on the drive in. Uh, you might be cooking at home more instead of getting takeout. Or maybe you find yourself canceling, I don't know, a video subscription to make a little bit more room in the budget. It can feel like a lot of no's, especially if we haven't been telling ourselves no. It can feel like it's no fun. But you have to remember you're creating space to chase your goals. As time goes on, you begin to see progress towards your goals. You find yourself in a position to say yes to some pretty cool stuff. Quick example. So this year, uh, Taryn and I, it's our 20th wedding anniversary. Now, my wife has always wanted to go on a tropical, all-inclusive resort-style vacation. I'm not a big beach guy, but I decided to, to give my wife her way. But here's the cool part about the whole thing. We decided a few years ago that we were going to do a bit of a luxurious vacation for our 20th anniversary. We decided that a few years ago. In our budget, a few years ago, we started saving $50 a week. Over the past few years, we've accumulated $7,500 to plan our trip. Now, we can say yes. We started saying yes to this vacation over the last few years. We did have to say no to little things here and there just to allow ourselves to save the 50 bucks each week and to say yes to this trip. But this is just a simple example of how using the budget and sticking to it can be a great benefit in pursuing our goals. You might ask me, what about when the changes happen with the budget? Right? What if it's mid-month, something pops up, and you actually have to change something? So I've got a little story for that. And this is very recent. Like This is like real-life recent, like it's going on today, actually. Recently, a few months ago, we had planned to replace a few light fixtures in the house. A couple of ceiling fans that came with the house that Taryn feels like they're just ugly. I'm able to look past them, but what she cares matters more, right? To steal a line, happy wife, happy life, so... We had set about $400 aside in the budget to replace these light fixtures a couple months ago. Now, at the same time in that month, we found a leak in the bathroom sink. And this had to be addressed. I tackled it myself. I assessed the situation. It required a new sink, a new vanity. The old one had rotted due to the slow leak. And the source of the main source of the problem was the old faucet. So we had to replace that too. I did all the work myself. Uh, just, you know, in one day. But as I was assessing the situation and preparing to head to the home improvement store, we had to have an emergency budget meeting. How are we going to pay for this? It wasn't in the budget. So we had two choices. The first choice was we could use money from our 
our emergency fund. So we have an emergency fund that consists of a total of six months of our household expenses, right? We could take the money from there, but then the following month we would need to make it a priority to put the money back into it. So to us, as we're talking through this, it seems a little pointless just to take it from there and the next month have to turn around and stick it right back in. And as we're looking at it all, the amount we needed for the bathroom looked very similar to the amount that we had budgeted for light fixtures. We quickly decided, let's just use light fixture money for the bathroom sink replacement, and we will find a month in the future to do the light fixtures, right? Like that, they weren't an emergency. We've lived with them for almost five years now. We can live with them a couple more months. So we made that decision. And this is just a real-time example of how we can quickly make a decision in the moment to address the situation while we still are keeping our goals in mind, right? We didn't touch anything else in the budget to make this work. We didn't overspend. We took care of it in the moment. We didn't wait and look back at the end of the month and be like, oh, my goodness, we have to come up with a solution for what we did. Like, what are we going to do now, right? Now, this was two months ago that this happened. So here I am today, I'm telling the story. We had planned to do to to redo this, redo the light fixtures this month in April to revisit the light fixtures. And just today, Taryn was looking at the light fixtures, and wouldn't you know, they're on a spring sale. We're able to buy the light fixtures we wanted, as well as an additional one, and we're coming in under budget. That's pretty cool, right? That's pretty cool how that worked out. And there's something about being intentional, having a plan and executing it, that gives you momentum. It puts you in a spot to be able to take advantage of a new situation. And we constantly feel like we're prepared. We constantly feel like we're flexible to handle all these situations that we find ourselves in. And we we give the credit for, to God. I mean, God is faithful. He's constantly providing and showing us a way. But we have to do our part and be good stewards. Otherwise, we won't be able to really participate in those moments. So another question you might have. Well, what happens if you don't stick to the plan? And this is a natural question I get. What if you don't execute the plan, or more likely, and I see this a lot, you only execute it halfway? Well, here's a story from years ago. When we had a plan, not a great plan, but we had a plan, but we didn't implement it and it turned into a nightmare. Now, in some of the earlier episodes I've done, I mentioned that we finally got our financial act together in 2014. But before that, so I'm going to like 2009, 2011, I was working on my MBA. The bank I was working for was paying for about 85% of the degree. They would reimburse me when I completed a class and turned in the grade as long as it was a C or better they would reimburse me the school required payment up front so I had to front the money for each class but we didn't have any money so I decided to take out a student loan for the whole thing and my plan was that when I received my reimbursement I would just put that towards the loan balance well I didn't I remember in those years we wanted to take our kids to Disney and to visit my grandmother who was living in Florida So we decided we would use some of the reimbursement to pay for the trip. Well, between airline tickets, minivan rental, Disney tickets, hotel accommodations, food, 
And probably worst of all was just this attitude of let's live a little. It's not like we come to Disney every year. And just like that, we consumed the entire reimbursement check. And we didn't learn once. I mean, we did things like this over the next couple of years. We would overspend, allow a credit card to catch our misbehavior, our overspending. And then that reimbursement would come and we'd pay off the credit card. But by the time I graduated and the student loans became due, that's when it hit me. We had just acquired over $40,000 in graduate student loans to pay for life's extras for the past two plus years. It made me sick to my stomach. I remember when I received the letter about my student loan monthly payment, that's when we realized we had to do something. Well, that's when I realized like this is not working. I had been the one managing the money stuff because I worked at the bank because I had strong opinions on all this stuff. And Taryn just, she was along for the ride. And we would have so many different challenged conversations. We didn't communicate well about money. And it was basically, we found ourselves in a pickle that I created, but that she completely allowed. Now, we didn't stick to the plan we had. When I received a letter about my student loan monthly payment, that's when we realized we had to do something. And I started to seek wisdom to really help with our situation. It came down to what what we've been talking about today. You can easily create a plan, but unless you execute it, you won't get anywhere. Now, I admit, this plan, that the one with the student loans and the reimbursement, even if I implemented it, it wasn't the best plan. Yes, it, it would have put us in a better spot than we had found ourselves in, but I could have created a few more options to have a plan without the risk of coming out of school with student loans. We live and we learn. Hopefully we learn from others' examples. That's why I'm sharing my stories to hopefully that you can learn from my stories. So this brings us back to implementing the plan. We did the math. We created the plan. We used our hand knowledge. And then we need to implement it to execute the plan, to use those behaviors and develop those habits so that we can be good stewards of our finances, to pursue those goals that the Lord has put on our hearts. This is the toughest element of a financial plan. It can be full of challenges. It'll require you to hold yourself accountable. If you're married, it's going to require you to work together. You must work together. If you're struggling to get through this part, you got to seek help. Seek wisdom to overcome the challenges and pray. Pray, pray, pray. Prayer changes everything. Pray before each meeting. Pray before each task. The Lord is present. You just have to invite him in and invite the Holy Spirit into your life. That's why I pray to start each podcast episode. Because prayer changes everything. And you're going to need it to implement the plan that you create. I hope this has been helpful. Please, you can contact me, contact Paul. There's a link in the episode description if you've got questions i want to help i want to be of help so please reach out if there are questions but i hope this has all been helpful i hope you have a great day god bless thank you for listening to catholic money talk i hope you join us again next time please click subscribe in your podcast app to get notified of new episodes god bless you and have a great day